College football season is coming back, and we got you covered on every game. We're breaking it down on each snap all season long. Catch us every week starting on August 4th. Joe McGuire, Sean Scanlon, Jace Garcia, and yours truly, Obi Meese, giving you the highlights, predictions, and current rankings. Visit our website at hawshow.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's all four downs, part of the CMG Sports Podcast Network. Clover Press Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know. I crossed up by Kobe. Well, floated Shaq. And then Shaq goes like this. And the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, fun. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clover Press is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner men, punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fist of cuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave. Feet a step late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eight, then retaliate. Put up your dukes, stick and move. Bob and wave. Don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter. Punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging. We bring in crosses with no worship, hooks with no verses, combinations with no locks. When you feel the flurry, it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats. Relax if you want the facts, because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Throwing Jabs. Combat Sports Podcast. We got a big, big, big show for you today. Big UFC, super stack UFC 267. Plus, we got a great who you got for the holiday season, uh, Halloween season. And make sure you tune in Monday. We got a special uh, broadcast that we'll bring to you. That's Monday, so make sure you keep that in the back of your mind. But first, we got to talk about the fights that happened last weekend. Starting off with Marvin Vittori beats Paulo Costa. I know I picked Paulo Costa, but I, I mean, he was I mean, two hundred seventy-five pounds. Why wouldn't you? No. Why wouldn't you pick him? Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, the ball was in his court. He, he did all this stuff. He came in overweight. He was the one that cheated. Cheaters, I, I assume when you cheat, you win. That didn't well, that wasn't the case. Martin Vittori, he's a beast, he's an animal, he's just one tough SOB. Brought it to Paul Costa. You, you Costa only really won that fifth round. Uh, everything else was just dominance by by Vittori. Joe, thoughts on the fight? Uh yeah, look, I big win for Marvin Vittori back in the win column. Both of these guys were were obviously hoping to get there. He makes Costa look like a fool in the process. Takes home twenty percent of his purse. A Costa didn't need much dollar, Yeah, a fifty thousand dollar post fight bonus award. Uh, knocked Costa out of the top five. He's dropped him to six. Maybe he's out of the division completely, according to Dana. 
we'll see how that goes going forward. I think the other thing that really came of this fight is the Italian dream garnered the respect of everybody in the UFC. Gilbert Burns, who's Brazilian, uh, literally on fight night, was like, Vittori, let's go and, and, and beat my fellow Brazilian up. That's the way people felt about this fight. Dana now says that Marvin is probably the backup if anything happens before the uh, Adesanya Whitaker rematch, uh, which will happen early next year. The other big fight's going to be Brunson and Cannoneer UFC 270. D- that's a title eliminator. Good chance that Marvin probably takes on one of those guys if he doesn't end up stepping into that main event. Uh, in the meantime, if he's if he's looking to uh, stay active, uh, Sean Strickland or Luke Rockhold were supposed to fight at UFC 268. Rockhold's hurt. The idea was he might have looked at one of those guys, uh, the winner of that fight, as a potential uh, next opponent. And my understanding is Rockhold is no longer interested in Strickland. So Marvin's got some options going forward, but this dude's primed and ready to go. I understand the concern about throwing him in there with Adesanya anytime soon. I do think he probably needs to go and and maybe beat the bejesus out of somebody like Robert Whitaker. Not that I think he could do it, but... Um, you know, a, a big win over a Luke Rockhold or, again, maybe getting the Brunson Cannoneer winner. But Vittori is the real deal. It was nice to see him uh, dominate a fight. And, and Jared, I think if I still have one concern about my man Vittori, he, don't, he doesn't seem to be finishing any of these fights anymore. And, you know, when, when again, when you face Adesanya and Whitaker, you know, you're fighting a step up. And you're going to lose these close ones to those guys. Well, and fighting's not really like any other sport in that if you you put up 50 points a game in college football and go 12 and 0, it's not the same as a light heavyweight going 12 and 0 with three knockouts. You have to entertain people and. He's not fighting with an entertainer's urgency. Justin Gagey is one of the best I've ever seen with that. It's not um, about the wins and losses so much as the entertainment. Yes, you should win all the fights you can. Um, that said, I said this would go the distance. You hit my, uh, my sure bet on the puncher's chance last week with this one going the distance. Um, Costa doesn't belong anywhere. I've been clear about this. I'm unhappy with the way he's conducted himself. Very unprofessional. Um, lost some respect for this guy. The things that kept him in the fight were his weight. Now, you shave 10, 15 pounds off that guy and let Vittori hit him like that, he might go to sleep. It's a different person. So, um, so I think he's kind of surfed his way into this. We talked about a couple uh, of, of females that have kind of done this where they're uh, Miguel Cotto is one of my throwback boxing guys that put on 30 pounds in 24 hours and then would go fight a significantly smaller man that they knew wasn't going to touch 170, 175 come fight night. And watch his fights. He's always fighting guys that are significantly smaller. So a couple of people have cracked this code. Apparently, Costa can't crack that weight class anymore. And he's not good enough to move up. He just proved that against a smaller guy. He can't be competitive with the division below that. So you can't make weight there. Yeah, on to Bellator for Costa. 
It's going to cost a career. Good thing it didn't cost Jace to head of hair. <laughs> uh, I love that. But, I mean, Costa, I, he has to be at like, heavyweight. I mean, you saw he, he had good conditioning. Like, like that fifth round, he, he started – that's when he but who's he fighting, fighting at light heavyweight? This I get it. Everybody's saying he should move to light heavyweight, and I'm going, who's – if you're losing to middleweights and you're at light – your weight, your size is that of a light heavyweight, and you're losing to middleweights who are top five and lost to the champ twice. Well, one of them wasn't decisive, if you ask our boy Joe. <laughs> but you're, there's no – there isn't room for you to compete up there. You no. see these guys get to that level, and then they just can't pass that spot. And Vittori, to be fair, on a much higher level, is kind of one of those guys. Where do you go if you keep winning? We, you, you have to wait for somebody to beat Adesanya to get another shot here, I think. Yeah. So, and yeah, there's no room for Costa. Costa needs to look himself in the mirror because I think he was buying too much of the, the hype of the what the UFC was pushing him. And, uh, I mean, and you see it. He looks like, like I said last week, he looks like a smug prick all the time. He, he needs to look himself in the mirror and realize what he's doing and have some sort of drive or something because you, you don't see it. I, I don't see it. And I, I do think this light heavyweight division is open for him, and he can take a hold of it, but he has to make some changes. But as far as Vittori goes, I don't even think he necessarily needs to start finishing fights. He just, when he gets people to the ground, he has to take advantage of that. He is a, he's a, he's a Josh Koscheck, just lay on the guy rather than a Khabib smash the guy when he's on Tito the ground. Ortiz. Yeah, yeah. Open up. Yeah. Posture and let your hands go. Because he, he's so good at controlling it. He's so good at controlling guys down there. And if he can just light him up down there, I'm sure the ref will come in and he'll get more stoppages. And also he'll be able to control him down there for even longer. So I think that's the big thing. If Vittori can do that, if Vittori can figure out, uh, just get more ground and pound, this dude's legit. And this dude, I, I mean, that's going to be the key in his if he does get uh, the trilogy with Adesanya, if he can ground him, if he when he gets Adesanya down, because we we've seen him be able to do it, if he can do it and he can smash him, that's very that's very winnable. But he he just hasn't shown it. He just gets people down, lays on him, controls them for minute for like three minutes, and then yeah. So you got to be more decisive on the ground. Now, I'll say this. If uh, Marvin Vittori were to come into a third fight with Israel Adesanya and pull what Costa did and show up 30 pounds overweight, um, I'll bet you he could get Adesanya to the ground and keep him there. I'm just playing. Um, no, but hey, good look, point. In, in, Dude, right? I that mean, because that's, that's, that's ultimately what Jan Blahovic did. To Israel Adesanya was he just had that significant weight advantage and laid on him. And where Marvin couldn't keep Izzy down, uh, Jan did. And that's why uh, Jan's still the champ. So Yeah. And we'll get to Jan later. Oh, yeah, we will. Yeah, we will. But uh, let's move on. Shakur Stevenson, TKO's Jamel Herring in the 10th round. We all picked Herring. 
Joe, I, I remember you said your paper said Shakur Stevenson, but you switched it when we were talking about it. I mean, this was the coming out party for Shakur Stevenson. He's earned my respect now. Yeah, yeah. I uh, God, I really like Jamal Herring a real lot. This was definitely, I, I'll admit, I definitely let some emotions get in on this fight. Uh, Jamal Herring, I just think, has one of the best stories of of any boxer uh, on the planet right now. And, uh, you know, coming off the, the win over Frampton, I just felt like, you know what? This guy can overcome the odds. But Shakur Stevenson is a really good fighter, uh, and and we saw that. The interesting thing is after the fight, there was talk about whether he would move up from super featherweight to 135, where all the big boys are. And in Stevenson's mind, he'd like to try to unify the division, the super featherweight division, fight Oscar Valdez, and then hit all the other champions. You also want to be a star in boxing. You notice I mentioned Oscar Valdez and the other champions because it's nobody anybody cares about. Nobody cares about the 130-pound weight division. He doesn't want to move up to 135 because he's looking at Loma and Haney and Garcia and Tank and Teofimo Lopez, and that's not that's not an appealing place to go. But if this guy wants to become a star, that's who's up next. That's the that's the group that you got to take on. And it seems right now Shakur is not interested in that. So I don't know. We'll see. Well, I mean, he is still pretty young. So uh, I think this is Teofimo Lopez. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. And Tank. um, And Garcia. Yeah, but... uh, And Haney. Everybody but Loma basically is a young man. And that... So come on. Let's go. Yeah, but Ori, I mean, take a little bit of the Floyd Mayweather uh, formula. Wait for them to beat themselves. Jace, let me tell you why you don't take the Floyd Mayweather formula. Because it's pretty obvious that everybody on the planet who isn't impressed by money knows that Floyd's nothing that yeah. that he's he's never going to be what he wants to be and he just makes himself look worse and like a bigger idiot every time he runs his mouth but, but that's what boxing's become everyone's it's taking not, the Floyd it's not that's not what boxing's become that's what boxing's become to bros and other fools to people who know this sport and like this sport it's got nothing to do with that it's still about the better guy winning it's still about uh not getting hit in the face. It's about uh, matchups. There's a lot that goes into boxing. I'm not interested in all that garbage. I I don't. I mean, I don't even know his name. Jake Paul, Logan Paul. I don't know who's who or which one. If they're if that's two different people or if it's a Miley Cyrus situation, Hannah Montana. I don't know, and I don't care to be quite frank. Um, there's great boxers right now, and, I mean, boxing continues to shock me on a daily basis. For a sport that's got promoters, they're, they're just day in and day out failing everybody. It, it's shocking how, how pathetic these guys are. If you want to make matches that people will watch, do more of this. Because yeah. in the UFC... I mean, we're going to talk about a UFC card in a little while that's got about eight good fights that I would I would have watched over Shakur Stevenson and Jamal Herring if I wasn't such a big fan of Herring. 
And that's not good for boxing. That's real good for the UFC because they put good fights together. I don't want to watch Rocky three until Clubber Lang shows up. I'm that, that movie was boring at the beginning. Robots beating bum of the month. I mean, it was, it was literally Floyd Mayweather in the eighties. That's basically what Rocky three was all about. And then he met an actual fighter and had to figure out how to be a good fighter because that's the thing about Rocky. He wasn't that good. Yeah, his trainer knew that. Watch yeah, the movie. We kind of forget that. Yeah. They were they were <laughs> they were they were doing the, the Mayweather dude. They were just trying to like they were trying to hide him. So this is gonna take me a second, but you make a very fair point about MMA versus boxing. So I am gonna read the numbers for the favorites. On the MMA card, and then I'm going to read you the favorites on the boxing card. Okay? We'll start with Blahovich and work our way back. Minus 270. So they're all minus. 270, 220, 650, 290, 650, 325, 170, 170, 300, 240, 225, uh, 120. Boxing favorite. 3,300 minus 5,000, 5,000, 5,000, 120, 600, 1,500, 1,500, 4,000, 1,000, 1,250, 4,000, 850, 140. I'm trying to put together the puncher's chance, and there's only like two or three close fights in boxing. And the biggest spread in MMA is 600, which is which would be fourth on that list of 20 boxing matches. It doesn't make any sense. Why aren't these guys fighting each other? And for a guy that's struggled and come up four or five fights ago and struggling to make because he's growing as a person and he's young and he hasn't really fought anybody, let me, before I tell you who he's going to fight, say that Shakur Stevenson's a lot better than I thought he was. This guy is really, really good. Um, and I want him to beat Navarrete because he's not really good. Because they're the same size. They should both be moving up from where they are. And let's get one more at 127, 129-ish, 130. Shakur Stevenson, Navarrete test. There's your test. And he loses because Navarrete trades punches. And this kid's calculated. Stevenson's good. He's better than I thought he was. Yeah, uh, I've been calling for that. Have the two young lions kill each other off, and the winner moves on to take on take on the heads of the herd. Where pride, but uh, Jared, uh, were those the money lines for Rocky fights or actual fights? Was that um, maybe him against Thunderlips? The 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 first half were the Super Bowls, and then the last <laughs> half were the were every game between the Washington Generals and the Harlem Globetrotters <laughs> over the last two decades. Oh my gosh! Oh, that's wild. But I mean, throw throw like five bucks on every underdog for boxing. Just pray one hits. Oh, I was showing Joe how to round robin parlay those. Pick the four or five you like for a buck. Cost you five bucks when you six thousand if all four of mine hit today, and it costs five dollars to play. But it's not. I mean, they're they're plus sixteen hundred. It's it's yeah. it's not a very good chance of it. They're just size differentials. One of them's fighting a guy. Uh, Babic is fighting a uh, Molina who's forty pounds bigger. 
So Molina's likely going to get knocked out, take the under in the fight, but he's a lot bigger and, you know, weight is something. The, the only odds in the UFC that are close to that get close to that is Shevchenko and Nunez because they've already beat all the best, all the other close ones. So they're just fighting everyone else. Well, and even MMA in general. I mean, Kayla Harrison brings really big lines that you can't play. But uh, but MMA in general, you get 10 to 20% huge lines like that that you can't even touch. Um, and then in boxing, it's the opposite. You get 10, 20% that I, you know, the puncher's chance. I literally had three fights to pick from. There was just nothing there and didn't like them. Didn't feel one way or another about them. How to do some other stuff. Oh, yeah. It's just not there. MMA, it's there. So, uh, but uh, let's move on to special who you got. Tomorrow is Halloween. So let's take a look at who the scariest fighters in combat sports history. Not necessarily the best, but what four faces are you going to put on Mount Rushmore of the scariest fighters Joe, start with you. Okay, I took this extremely literal, and I literally picked the guys who I am literally scared of. Uh, The number one guy on my list being Kimbo Slice, because he looks like a homeless guy on the subway that beats you to death because you looked at him. You know what I mean? That's a scary-looking dude. He had a Yoo-Hoo, and I wanted it. Yeah, pretty much that guy. Uh, Vanderlei Silva, uh, I think his is he the axe murderer or whatever? He looks like a serial killer. There's something wrong with that guy. You could see in his eyes, there's no soul inside of him. He scares me. Uh, Mikro Krokop looks like a cyborg, and he also fights like one. I was going to say Darren Till also looks like a robot, but he fights like a bitch. So he's out. Uh, and then finally, Czech Congo, just him, him. Taking his shirt off, I would run in the opposite direction. That is a scary-looking beast of a man. That's my four. Yeah, that's pretty good. Thank you. Jared? Um, That's funny that Joe did that because I took one a little bit outside of context, and just looking at him, I always said, this is a guy you don't want to fight. Just, I don't care if he even fights good. He's just the scariest looking individual. He's big and he's mean. And he, uh, uh, Keith Jardine. If you remember Keith Jardine, he was a scary, scary guy. But my honorable mention, because he wasn't a beast, the guys I'm coming with, uh, these these people are um, like their mystique would would knock you out before they even got in there, you know? So this is before they were touched at their peak. Nobody wants to fight them. Scary, scary individuals. My first one is James Kirkland. This is a boxer that came in to take your head off in every single fight. I wanted so bad to say Glenn, the road warrior Johnson. You guys remember that guy? Beat Roy Jones and Tarver. Right during that time, he was a a journeyman fighter that the first he could survive and go hard all all 12 rounds at everybody else's pace. But the first two, he was going to try to kill you. 
And that's how we trained. Give them first two, I'm try to kill them. If they're still there, I can still go that other 10. You'd always think he would going to gas himself. He didn't. Okay, so there's a bunch of guys not on my list. Um, James Kirkland, Julian Jackson. If you guys remember the Hawk, most devastating puncher in boxing history. The last guy I would want to step foot in the ring with. And right about my size, too. Julian Jackson. Uh, number two, Ronda Rousey. Because that was scary when she was armbarring everyone and one of the most dominant f- combat fighters in history at the time. Before she got touched, that mystique, that was the scariest I remember somebody being besides Iron Mike Tyson. That rounds out my four. Tyson, Rousey, Julian Jackson, and James Kirkland. If you're not familiar with those two, look them up. Damn. That's another solid list. And I had Mike Tyson on mine, but since you mentioned him, I'll put him at the honorable mention spot. All right, time out. Because I see Jared and I went in slightly different directions with the assignment. Can you just give us your thought criteria before you give me your list? Just so I, I'm just curious what your thoughts were. Oh, that's a nice list right there. That's some, those are that's all some bad guys right I there. looked at. Yeah. Those are yeah. all guys that were like, yeah, yeah. You may, Jace if I would, make 10, all those guys make the list. Jace would call this the SpongeBob square pick. Like that's four big names. You can't argue with any of them. Yes, on all counts. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't even think there is necessarily a SpongeBob square pick because there are a lot of scary fighters. I mean, we're, we're talking about combat sports, man. I I just noticed he was very specific too in young George Foreman. Before, not yeah, well, even, exactly. Before these guys got touched, listen. After Ali beat him, is not what he meant. Right. <laughs> Although. Middle George, meh. Older George, meh, pretty scary guy, too. Oh, yeah. You were a senior citizen. Imagine that guy at bingo. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Michael Moore. Michael Moore to sleep. One of the oldest heavyweight champions ever. Michael Moore. Teddy Atlas telling him it's about to happen. He's, you're getting lazy, and he's he's setting up that right hand. Oh, man. Michael Moore and George Foreman, if you need a good fight to watch later. All right. Also, yeah. imagine imagine needing Teddy Atlas to tell you Foreman's setting you up with the right hand. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's a genius. Yeah. You don't need I'll Teddy fight. Atlas to tell you that, but if he is telling you that, definitely look out for it. Yeah. Should we have water? <laughs> have, you, have you been jogging? <laughs> All right. Here's mine. Right, like I said, Mike Tyson, Jared, since you said him, I'll, I'll throw him on the honorable mentions. I mean, the predator, Francis Ngannou. Just, a, a, I mean, a, after that Alistair Overeem knockout, I mean, even before that, he was just scary, just knocking people out left and right. But that that Alistair Overeem knockout is just something different. Well, and he, Joe, he just knocked the ghost out of Overeem. There. Joe mentioned Czech Congo. I feel like Ngannou's the type of guy that shows up on the opposing volleyball team and you don't want to play. <laughs> oh, oh, I ain't getting anywhere in tennis. I'll find something else to do. Thanks, bud. <laughs> you know, you know who else too, Jace? Um, Engolani. 
I can't think of Engelani's first name. I see him in the the uh, the one in the Bellator fight sometimes. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah, He's yeah, another yeah. one. He just you see this guy and you, and he that guy can kick too. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah. He's a beast. But oh also okay, so Nganu, then staying at heavyweight, the last emperor, Fedor Emelianenko. This dude just a cold blooded killer. I mean, no emotion, just goes on, knocks you out, destroys you. I mean, he just fought the other weekend, and, I mean, he looked like the same Fedor from Pride, just beating up on Timothy Johnson. Granted, it is Timothy Johnson, but he, he's still a stone-blooded killer. And speaking of uh, stone-cold killers, it was between Mirko Krokop and Vanderlei Silva for a spot on my Mount Rushmore. Go to Pride. Watch the stare down between those two. Like you said, Joe, Vanderlei Silva, he's the axe murderer. He, he's intimidated everyone. But then when he went and looked Mirko Krokop in the eye, that was the – you can listen to Joe Rogan talk about it on his podcast. That's the first time Vanderlei Silva won – I mean lost a stare down because Mirko Krokop – was in the Croatian Army Special Forces. This is a dude who's killed people, and you're not going to see – you're called the axe murderer, and you're a great knockout artist, but that's not – you aren't going to scare Mirko Krokop. The axe-ual murderer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Love it. And before I get to my last one, um, I had another honorable mention, but never mind. I, I forgot. Winning one year out the other. But my last one – Amanda Nunes. She, even if she wasn't a fighter and you just saw her walking down the street, she's got that resting bitch face. Like, you get out of the way. Like, okay, the, the, I don't want to mess with this chick. But she just knocks people out. She is the Mike Tyson of, of MMA. She's just an animal, a beast, and damn, she is scary. She is very, very scary. So, yeah, how you look my list? Yeah, I like to tell there. I don't know. I don't think – I mean, I get it. I get that from the dominant standpoint, Nunes is scary. She seems like a nice person. Yeah, but it's I almost mean – too nice. I don't like that. She, she is nice when you hear her talking that stuff. But if you see <laughs> – if she wasn't – if you saw her walking down the street, you'd move out to the side because she, 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 she looks pissed off all the time. But – uh yeah, but I like that's it. Gonna Those it. are good lists. Those yeah. are very good lists. All yeah. legit. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, and great for the for tomorrow being Halloween and a lot of spooky, scary things going on. But I will tell you guys, you no longer have to be scared of mosquitoes with Mosquito Shield. It's been a pretty wet summer in Connecticut, and that means more mosquitoes than ever. If you didn't have your home service for mosquito control and find you're spending most of your time outside flooding those little pests, you are in luck. 
Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut provides the best value in mosquito control services because of how they treat your yard using the Mosquito Shield tailored treatment system. They don't use a fixed schedule or an identical product one-size-fits-all service program because you can't control mosquitoes on a set number of sprays or visits. Unlike the competition, Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut will service you for the season whatever it takes to provide superior results. This province has awarded them an industry-leading consumer retention rating of 90%. Visit MosquitoShieldCT.com to schedule an appointment with Wade DeCesare and enjoy the rest of your summer mosquito-free. An interim bantamweight champion will be crowned at UFC 267 as Peter Yan faces off with Corey Sanhagen in the co-main event. Let's break it down. Corey Sanhagen is 29 years old. He's 5'11 with a 70-inch reach and a record of 14-3 with six knockouts and three submissions. From Aurora, Colorado, Sanhagen's a natural athlete who played basketball growing up, but by age 17 switched his attention to kickboxing, a sport in which he won the Colorado State Championship as well as the WKA North American and World Championships. After graduating from the University of Colorado Boulder, he made his MMA debut in May of 2015 with a rear naked choke submission in round one. He went 5-0 before making his debut in the Legacy Fighting Alliance, dropping a unanimous decision to Jamal Emmers. He bounced back later that year, scoring two first-round knockouts before making his UFC debut on January 27, 2018 with a second-round knockout of Austin Arnett. Next, he defeated Mario Batista by an armbar submission, then at his first serious test as a pro, when he won a close split decision over crafty veteran John Lineker. Four months later, he defeated the always dangerous Raphael the Sun Cow. However, a year later, with a title shot in sight, he was quickly pounced on and submitted via rear naked choke by future Bantamweight champion Aljamain Sterling. Five months later, he headlined his first UFC event, putting on a master class against Marlon Marias before stopping him in round two with a stylish spinning wheel kick, followed by ground and pound. In February of 2021, he took on former lightweight champion Frankie Edgar, knocking the UFC legend out cold with a vicious flying knee just 28 seconds into the first round. In his next fight, he headlined UFC Fight Night on July 24, 2021, taking on the former two-time bantamweight champion TJ Dillashaw, who was making his long-awaited return from a PED suspension, and despite landing some vicious strikes and opening up a nasty cut over Dillashaw's right eye, he lost a close split decision with 17 out of 23 media outlets scoring it in favor of Sanhagen. A dynamic and rangy striker, Sanhagen has one of the most fluid styles, effortlessly flowing from orthodox to southpaw and using feints to set up his wide repertoire of strikes, including spinning kicks and flying knees. He also averages 6.3 strikes per minute while boasting a 59% strike defense. Peter Jan's 28 years old. He's 5'7 with a 67-inch reach and a record of 15-2 with seven knockouts. From Yekaterinburg, Russia, he began training in Taekwondo in sixth grade, and after following his older brother into a boxing gym, he eventually earned his Master of Sport in Boxing and graduated from the Siberian Federal University with a degree in physical culture. He made his MMA debut in December of 2014 with a third-round knockout and signed with absolute champions Burkut going 7-1 before becoming the promotion's bantamweight champion with a split decision over Magomed Magomedov. 
The following year, he made his UFC debut, knocking out Turto Ishihara with a right cross. In December of 2018, he put on a dominant performance against Douglas Silva de Andrade, battering him throughout the first round until the Brazilian's corner stopped the fight. The following December, he took on Uriah Faber, giving him a hellacious beating before knocking him out with a head kick in round three to earn his first performance of the night bonus. Seven months later, he fought former featherweight champion Jose Aldo for the recently vacated Bantamweight title. In a back-and-forth brawl, the two friends and former sparring partners put on a classic, with Aldo focusing on Jan's legs and body, while Jan slowly broke down Aldo with continuous pressure, eventually getting him to the ground and stopping him with a prolonged ground-and-pound. On March 6, 2021, he defended his belt against top contender Aljamain Sterling, gradually wearing him down and dropping him with a punch, as well as scoring several takedowns before knocking Sterling out with an illegal knee in round four, losing his title by disqualification. A relentless pressure fighter with excellent strikes, Jan is exceptionally good at controlling the center of the octagon and using his feints to get his opponents to overextend themselves as he lands his counters at a rate of nearly six per minute. Will the Sandman's explosive strikes and reach advantage prove to be too much for the former champ, or will the unrelenting pressure and killer instinct of Jan bring him victory as both men seek a rematch with Sterling for undisputed Bantamweight gold? Tune in Saturday night to UFC 267, Jan vs. Sanhagen, and let's find out. All right, big interim Bantamweight title fight. Joe? Who's coming out victorious? Ooh, look, I think right now Jan Blahovitz is at the top of his game. I understand Teixeira comes in on a five-fight win streak. Why don't we cover the fight? Let's cover the uh, Jan and Sandhagen fight. Oh, my goodness gracious. Is that I was not even just paying attention, and uh, there you go. All right. Uh, Jan versus Sandhagen. Thank you. Uh, Jared, incidentally, I'm actually working uh, while we're doing this on your daughter's rap video. So, oh, that's literally okay. what I was doing, just uh, getting stuff. But yeah, no, my bad. All right, let's Eclipse, talk about keep an eye out for that. Let's talk about Jan uh, versus Sanhagen, as you asked me, and I clearly wasn't listening. 5'11, <laughs> he's got a four inch height, three inch reach advantage. That's going to be a major factor. It has been in all of Sanhagen's fights. This is going to be an all action, violent brawl between the two best bantamweights in the world. The two best. That's who these two guys are right now. Um, I went against Sanhagen against Marias and against Edgar. He won those. I picked him against Delashaw. That didn't, that didn't pan out for me. I'm going to take Jan, and I'm going to take a uh, – I'm going to take a uh, – I think this goes the distance. I think uh, Sanhagen's going to hit him a bunch of times. I think it's going to look impressive, but I think he loses it 3-2. Yeah. All right, Jared, you think the same? You took Sandhagen? No, Jan. Jan, Jan, by, Jan by decision. I think it'll be tight, 3-2. I don't think it can go to a decision. Um, And, man, I really like both of these guys. Uh, but I feel like for, for any counterpuncher, you kind of need a dance partner. You know, you don't want to watch me fight my brother, Joel. You'd rather watch me fight Will. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> You'd much rather 
be a be a observer for a me versus Will Brand than a me versus Joel. You've got two counter punchers versus somebody that's going to make the fight. Will comes forward. Will makes the fight. So Sandhagen, length, reach, he has that advantage over just about everybody he fights. He utilizes it very, very well, Um, like uh, Rodriguez in the female division. Um, Just very, very good with spacing, but Jan is just relentless. so, So you've got dance partners here that are styles make fights. Take the under, and I think take Jan. I like the under better than I like Jan. But Peter Jan in the under is the pick. You think he's going to finish Sanhagen? I think one of these guys gets stopped. I think because of their styles, the way it's going to clash out, that uh, that one of them gets stopped. Um, Yeah, yeah, and I think it's probably I, – I don't like – See, I like when I think about either one of them getting stopped, I'm like, no, probably not. But then I think about their styles clashing in the octagon and I go, somebody's going to sleep. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because, as I said, look, I think these are the two top guys in the bantamweight division. I agree with that. I looked. I agree with you. And yeah, you know, again, the thought of one of these guys getting knocked out, I'm like, I mean, it makes sense, Jared, especially Especially the way Sanhagen fights um, and the way and Jan. Jan, well, I was going to say, but the way Jan brings the pressure uh, and the way yeah. Sanhagen fights, you have to assume it, at some point something's getting someone's getting hit hard by something they probably don't see coming. And that's probably what ends this fight. I had a hard time thinking who was going to get knocked out. So I did take the easy route on a decision and I would hate to see either one of these guys get knocked out, uh, but that's not to say you couldn't see a, a submission of some sort either, uh, which, again, I think would favor Sanhagen in the fight. Yeah. But I love Peter Yan, and uh, until Peter Yan loses in the ring against somebody, I think I'll pick him uh, over everybody going forward. All right. Yeah, I agree with you, Joe. I'm going Yan by decision. The real determining factor for me, I mean, you, you explained the fight perfectly, Jared. The, the length of Sandhagen, uh, counterpuncher with Jan just coming forward. The thing with Sandhagen in his last fight, I mean, a lot of people were upset. He he lost to Dillashaw. A lot of people saw it differently. But the thing why I saw it, the, the reason why I had Dillashaw win was Dillashaw, every exchange, Dillashaw was the first one in, and, and he got the first punch, and he, he was the aggressor, and, and that, that's why Sanhagen lost. And with a guy, Jan, who's better than Dillashaw right now, coming forward, being that aggressor, and if he can land the first punch in any exchange, I, I don't think it's going to be the same as if Dillashaw can land the first punch. I, I think and then now that I'm talking, I'm, I'm more tempted to go Jan by knockout. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, I listen, I would love that. You know, it's funny, it's funny that you say that. Uh, as as you were talking, right? Um, I mean, dude, the thing about San Hagen, <laughs> thing about San Hagen that scares me again. We talked about the height and and the reach advantage. Is you know, think about what he did to Frankie Edgar forty seconds into that fight, um, yeah. and it's not like Frankie wasn't keenly aware that that was probably something that was gonna happen. Uh, you know, uh, the and, and it did, and and you would think a legend in the UFC would be. You know, gee, 40 seconds in and 
that 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 worries me. I mean, Sanhagen is that kind of explosive against Dillashaw. I think that's one of those classics, Jared. I'm sure you've been there when you got a black guy and you're like, hey, I should see the other guy. Uh, because in the case of Sanhagen, I mean, he absolutely battered Dillashaw's face yeah. uh, in a in a big way. And uh, I had that fight for Sanhagen, by the way. Mm-hmm. I'd also picked him. So maybe I'm a, being a little biased here. He's um, like uh, Bisbing Henderson. Yeah. This is going to be a great fight. That's all I know. Um, and and uh, this is about as great a co-main event as uh, one could possibly ask for. Yeah, my brother just said Yon's a stone-cold killer. I love yeah. this guy. You know, it's funny. When I, when I first got into MMA, I was a big Uriah Faber fan, as a matter of fact. Uh, and, I mean, Yon pretty much finished Faber as a competitive fighter. <laughs> so... Uh, well, and you it think took- about what Jace was saying with Jan at the comparison with Jan and Dillashaw, and what is Jan going to do to him if that's what Dillashaw did? Whether you had him winning or not, that was close. It's yeah. not. Uh, I don't yeah. want to see Costa fight uh, fight Adesanya. Right. No thanks. <laughs> Make weight. Yeah. Uh, you know Jan. what might be easier to Jan explain stops this? Him, and the you more I think the- about it, you know what would be the easiest way to explain this, Jared? Uh, is is I think and everybody, especially Jace, will understand this. I think if we explain the Volkanovsky, uh, uh, Whitaker Ortega thing. Oh, think- hang on, I can't hear you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, I'm good. I'm good. Everybody, if everybody can wrap their mind around that concept, uh, <laughs> I think I think we're that's why we're all on the yawn train, Jace. I love it. Yeah, he's been the follicle point of the whole conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I mean, I, I see Jan competing to be the best pound for pound fighter, and, and San Hagen's just competing to be one of the best bantamweights. Oh, that's like why that. I have Jan. Jan and Jan, fighter of the year. Remember December show. We did a yeah. December show. Peter Jan, fighter of the year. He wins this one because he was beating Sterling. He was. I mean, he was whooping him good. And that's a guy that's good with distancing and control and length and had the reach advantage and got beat down. Yeah. I'm not. I mean, we were talking about scary fighters and Halloween around the corner. This is a scary kid, especially in a lighter weight division. And something bad could happen to him at that distance with Sanhagen too, man. Whew. I'm. Yeah, this is, this is just the co-main event. I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah well, real quick. I, 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 I almost was gonna. I, I was almost gonna change my pick. Not that I'm picking off of Jan, but now, now I do think maybe a finish of some sort. And and you know, I guess. I'm going to say something in the second round. I'm going to say a second round. No, you know what? Give me the fourth. These fourth? guys got great stamina. I think there'll be some. I think there'll be a couple of like, you know, where you. Oh, uh, but I think come round four. I'm going to say Jan blast him right out of there. Plus 115 on under four and a half. Ooh. Okay. Damn. I might jump on that. <laughs> uh, all right. Then, then, then I'll go decision and I'll say Sandhagen is able to weather the storm by taking it to the ground and it'll win a couple rounds that way. There we go. So I like I'm mixing it up. But uh, boy, that's only the co main event. 
this 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 card is so so stacked. But now, I mean, let's get to the main event: light heavyweights battling it, battling it out for the gold. Let's get into it. The light heavyweight title will be on the line at UFC 267 at Fight Island in Abu Dhabi on Saturday when champion Jan Blahovitz defends against Glover Teixeira. Let's break it down. Glover Teixeira is 41 years old. He's six foot two with a 76 inch reach and a record of 32 and seven with 18 knockouts and nine submissions. From Solaria, Brazil, Teixeira grew up in a rural community without electricity and moved to Danbury, Connecticut at 20 years old to find work as a landscaper. After watching old tapes of UFC 1, he decided that he wanted to be like his new idol, Hoist Gracie, despite having never heard of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He began training at American Top Team in Connecticut and then spent some time at the Pitt in California training with Chuck Liddell. He began competing in grappling tournaments and made his MMA debut in June of 2002, losing by second-round knockout. Over the next nine years, he compiled a record of 17-2, including knockouts of Marvin Eastman and Rico Rodriguez before making his UFC debut in 2012 with a triangle choke of Kyle Kingsbury. He went on to beat Rampage Jackson and scored knockouts of Fabio Maldonado and Ryan Bader to challenge John Jones for the UFC light heavyweight title in 2014, losing via unanimous decision. After losing to Phil Davis, he bounced back with a rear naked choke of Ovin St. Prue, then won the performance of the night with a brutal first-round knockout of Rashard Evans. In 2016, he was knocked out by Anthony Rumble Johnson, and after bouncing back with a decision over Jared Cannonier, he was defeated in an exciting, action-packed brawl with Alexander Gustafson as both men traded bombs before he was stopped in the fifth round by three uppercuts followed by a right hook. After dropping a decision to Corey Anderson, he had a career resurgence, defeating Cole Roberson and Ian Kudabala by submission and then beating Nikita Krylov by decision. In May of 2020, he took on perennial contender Anthony Smith, giving him a brutal beating resulting in Lionheart losing several teeth as well as suffering a broken nose and orbital bone en route to a fifth-round stoppage. After recovering from COVID-19, he engaged in a savage war of attrition with the dangerous Thiago Santos that saw him rock several times until Santos punched himself out and to share a reverse position, ending the fight with a rear naked choke. One of the most well-rounded fighters in the division, Teixeira possesses both world-class wrestling skills and explosive one-punch knockout power. Jan Blahovitz is 38 years old. He's six foot two with a 78-inch reach and a record of 28 and 8 with eight knockouts and nine submissions. From Sienz, Poland. Blahovich began training in martial arts at the age of nine, initially in judo and eventually attaining a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu under Joe Moreira. He made his MMA debut in 2007 in the Polish fighting league KSW, losing his first fight by decision. And in his second appearance, he defeated three opponents in one night, scoring two knockouts. He became the KSW light heavyweight champion with a record of 17-3. and He made his UFC debut with a first-round knockout of Ilir Latifi in 2014. His career in the UFC was spotty at first, losing decisions to Jimmy Manoa, Corey Anderson, Alexander Gustafson, and Patrick Cummins, but he was able to turn it around in the second half of 2017 when he submitted Devin Clark via rear naked choke and then defeated Jared Cannonier by unanimous decision. 
The following year, he avenged his loss to Manoa and submitted Nikita Krylov before getting knocked out by a counter left hook by Thiago Santos. He came back five months later with a second round knockout of Luke Rockhold. And after defeating Jacare Souza, he got his revenge on Corey Anderson, brutally knocking him out with a vicious right cross in the first round. On September 27, 2020, he took on Dominic Reyes for the vacant light heavyweight title, battering his ribs with kicks before knocking him out in the second round with a counter left hook. The following March, he made his first defense when he defeated reigning middleweight champion and pound-for-pound great Israel Adesanya, outstriking him in every round and using his wrestling skills to neutralize him in the fourth and fifth rounds. A hard-hitting Muay Thai striker, Blahovitz has been steadily improving his boxing and grappling skills since 2014 and typically stays inside the pocket, gradually wearing his opponents out with body kicks and setting them up for his power punches. With both men riding impressive five-fight winning streaks, can Teixeira use his explosive punches and world-class jiu-jitsu skills to finally attain light heavyweight gold? Or will Blahovitz be able to control the fight with his technical striking and legendary Polish power as he continues to cement his legacy as one of the pound-for-pound best in the sport? Tune in to UFC 267 to Shira versus Blahovitz, and let's find out. All right, Joe, I know you were itching to talk about this fight. <laughs> so who you got getting it done? All right, uh, I'll go back to what I was saying initially about this fight. I, look, Jan's at the top of his game right now. Uh, the five-fight win streak, you know, this was a guy who just a few years ago was on the chopping block for Dana. Uh, Jan's wife basically begged them to give him a second chance, and he has not looked back in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Teixeira also on a really impressive five-fight win streak, five big names, uh, the all-time uh, UFC record for for submissions and finishes as a light heavyweight. And at 42, this guy is still dangerous. Just ask Diago Santos his thoughts on that. Uh, I think Jan flashes that Polish power, though, in round three and puts the lights out. And I think that's how the Glover Teixeira should get a shot at the title, uh, which I think is great that Dana did that. Uh, this guy certainly worked hard enough and, and finally earned a shot at a title. Uh, but I think he's uh, I think his shot at glory was probably like three, four, eight years ago. So um, this will be a fun fight. But I, I think Jan's going to prove to be too much. Yeah, I mean, Sandhagen definitely has the reach advantage. Um. Yeah, a little callback humor there. Um, okay. Blahovich by stoppage and Teixeira retires. Those are two different predictions. If it goes to decision, Teixeira t- retires. If he's in a condition to retire at the end of the fight, he does. But Blahovich stops him likely in the first, maybe the second. Take the under two and a half here. Link it to that other one. You double up. Blahovich by stoppage. I've been saying it all week. Damn. All right. I passed two Blahovitz fights I've picked against Blahovitz. And but the past five Glover to Share fights I've picked against Glover. I mean, this man spent most of his You picked time. against him in all five fights? Are you serious? Yeah. I mean, then you old. might as well pick against them. There's no reason now. So, <laughs> so you're 0-7 on these guys' last what? seven fights. Oh, 
And Wait, now they're what? fighting each other. <laughs> what luck. more could he do at this point to get you to pick him? Um, he, nothing, because I am going to pick him. Glover, th- this is his time. All of his main years, he, he was battling with Lose is the answer, Joe. The answer was lose. What could he do? Being a fight, he's going to lose. That's what Jace will pick him. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I th- This is Glover. He spent all of his uh, best years outside of the UFC because of visa issues after illegally moving to Connecticut from Brazil and then uh, trying to get everything all situated and he was just denied. I mean, he had his one, he had a shot already against, I don't even want to call him the GOAT anymore. He's John Jones. John Jones was great. But now this is time. I think he gets it done. I think he becomes the the oldest First time champion in UFC history, because I, I I just think all aspects of the Jan I, I will say probably has the power advantage in the striking, and, and this is also the past month I, I went with Ortega, I went with Dern because of their jujitsu. Glover I think is better on the ground. I think he takes it to the ground and submits Jan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and this is going to be the last <laughs> right. time I pick based off based off jujitsu. I, I I think Glover, even if Jan I'll wins, give you, I'll grant this you this. The- I'll grant you this. Teixeira does use his, utilize the Brazilian <laughs> yes. jujitsu in fights. So if you're gonna pick a Brazilian jujitsu guy, he's a good one to take because he actually uses it. Yeah, yeah. Jace, not like you not like your boy Paul no. Costa. You can't introduce it with stats like that, bro. <laughs> I, I, I went. Know, I know. I'm zero five on I, this guy. I'm zero two on this guy. These guys. And I but, used this on the last two fights I called wrong. But so I, take I, my word for it. <laughs> I I, I'm done counting out Glover. I, I'm done counting out Glover. I think now's his time. I think. I, I think regardless, win or lose, I think he retires after this. I think he wins the belt. Retires, runs off into the sunset, but I mean, he's so I don't good think at be all running aspects. After this fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, in a week, you'll be zero six in the last six Glover Teixeira fights. <laughs> Maybe, but I'm going Glover, getting it done. And I mean, a couple weeks ago, I was bald because I picked against two bald men in Usyk and uh, Volkanovski. I'm done picking against the bald guys. Let's go, Glover Teixeira, get it done. I, I, I do. I, everyone's everyone's on Blahovitz, but I do think this is a lot closer than a lot of people think. I, I think Teixeira is going to bring it, and and we're gonna we're gonna be. It's gonna be a great fight. It's gonna be a great fight. Jan in the under, and then Jan in the under. I don't know. I think Glover takes it to the ground, either submits him or or. Beats him up on the ground or just ground and pound. I, I think Glover's ground game is might might be the best in the UFC because he actually utilizes it like a a fellow Spaniard. What, what the Glover's <laughs> Brazilian? <laughs> but uh, all right, we should have him on the show. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Okay. Oh boy, <laughs> that it's going to be a great card. It's going to be fun. 
Speaking of which, let's get into the fight of the night. And my only notes for the fight of the night, this card is stacked with five exclamation points. Yeah, so anyway we go, I think it's going to be good. And actually, the prelims are underway right now. The first fight is the first fight ended, and they're walking out. But Joe, what's your fight of the night? Oh, it's Islam Mahakev against Dan Hooker, who stepped in coming off a big win that hopefully got his career turned around. Uh, for Mahakev, this either uh, catapults him to the top of the division, or this makes Dan Hooker relevant again. I say Islam. Uh, probably uh, in in dominating fashion in this one, but I'm I'm very excited for that fight. And also, Alexander Volkov is fighting. I know not everybody loves him like like I do, but that is a big scary dude uh, uh, fighting Tabura, and and that should also be a great heavyweight fight. So, looking forward to both of those. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, those are both great. Jared, you have fight tonight. Yeah, I sure do. Uh, Alan Babick, 8-0, 8 knockouts, weighs 215 pounds. Uh, he's kind of a beast, but he's a light, lighter guy for a heavyweight. Eric Molina, on the other hand, came in at 257. 28 wins, 7 losses. Molina has been stopped 7 times. These guys are going to bang out over unders three and a half. Take the under, take Babic, but it's going to be a war. I did put Molina in one of those underdog round robins I was telling you about. Uh, but this should be if you only tune in for one boxing match on this card, don't watch any of the other A side, B side, BS. This is the fight to watch. Eric Molina, Alan Babic. By the way, Jared and I had a couple of funny things happen this week. Um, w- words, and and it made us laugh. And it, Jared, I pulled one other fight from this card because on first glance, uh, I misread it. Um, Kamzat Chamaev is fighting a guy from China whose name is Lee L I, and his last name it looked like Jingling at first. I thought it said Jingling. It's Jing Liang. J-I-N-G-L-I-A-N-G. Uh, but I was like, jingling. That's a really cool <laughs> name for a fighter. And then I read it again, and I was like, you're an idiot. That's not even close to what that says. I want I want to do the tail of the tape just to say jingling a bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> when jingling started his career under his brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. And, and that's actually my fight of the night because – Jing Liang, he he brings it. He's a gamer. And, Is that uh, really your fight of the night? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's he's a great. Beast. And uh, Jing Liang, <laughs> he's a beast. He's expected to win big, big favorite. But Jing Liang, I, I think he brings it. I, I think this is going to be a, a war. I think it's going to be a great fight. Uh, I do think uh, Kamzat brings it to the ground and eventually finishes him. But when they're on the feet, I think it's going to be electric and it's going to be a great, great brawl. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this card's stacked. You you can pick anyone. You can pick the fight that's going on right now. Uh, and, and I'm sure it'll be great because this card is amazing. But Well done, UFC, for sure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, indeed. 
But, I mean, we're talking all about the odds. We're talking about the round robins and that stuff. And, Jared, you're going to make us some money. But first, you got to bet responsibly. And to help you out with that is JPEX Financial Group. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement that you don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? And how often do you think about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies, doing the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident with your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website or give us a call at 860-430-5397. All right. That is JPEX Financial. Make sure you check them out. And thanks. Thank you. Thank them. Thank you, JPEX Financial, for sponsoring today's episode. Now, Jared, here's your puncher's chance. Here's how you're going to make us some money, right? Uh, Absolutely. Hey, uh, I usually like to cater to the boxing fans here. No close fights. So take these overs, Cantos, Cameron, James, parlay them together. 10 units wins you 12. All right. That's great. I mean, sports betting is legalized now in Connecticut, so make sure you check that out. Use FanDuel, whatever, to bet, and Jared will help make you money. But that's going to do it for throwing jabs and all the fights. So make sure you check them out. Make sure you enjoy the fights. Starting at 2 today, nice midday fights. Check out, have some fun, chill. And, I mean, if you are like myself and you're traveling, I'm going to Boston to watch some fights with my friends, make sure you go to clovercrestmedia.com, hit the CMG Sports tab, go to Throwing Jabs, and down there you can download Throwing Jabs, audio version so you can listen to it on your drive get the breakdown before the fights before you go make sure you tune in monday as we have a special broadcast for throwing jabs and scrub scraps so that's gonna do it for the fights for myself big joe joe guy jared jones and big jace uh, <laughs> i'm off today i don't know but uh and sandhagen yeah <laughs> All right, but uh, we're going to end the show like we always do. Jared, hit us with that flurry. For my eyes only. Um, for a long time, you guys well know I was uh, bullied. I came up kind of rough. And I remember people saying things to me and looking at me a certain way, and I would start to identify by their words or by their thoughts or through their eyes, kind of whatever they saw me as that's how I would see myself too often. My mother, father, sisters, brothers would say something, the people close to me. 
and I'd carry it like it defined me, like it was a part of me. And at some point, I came to understand that if I'm going to view myself um, internally, then there's only one set of eyes I should be viewing myself through, and it's my own. I'm the only person that can determine my value. None of those words are determined factors for my actual value because it's only my eyes. And if it's on an external level, then there's six, seven billion sets of eyes. And how could I really know what all of them see when they look at me? How all of them determine my value. But internally, there's only one person, me. Externally, it's the entire world that's determining your value. And what I see a lot of times is people with someone close to them that doesn't see their true value. That the words of these closest people to them, they're allowing themselves to be, their, their value to be determined by that person. I've said to a couple people recently, if you're going to use somebody's eyes to determine your value, they should be your own. And if they're not yours, why not use mine? Because where other people may see weakness and worthlessness, I see strength. I see inspiration. I see opportunity. I see, I, I see things in you that you're having trouble seeing in yourself. And if you're, if you're only to use one set of eyes... They should be someone who sees you as valuable. So surround yourself with people that, that see you as valuable and look at you as valuable and use their eyes and their thoughts to determine your value until you're able to see yourself like that and determine your own value through your own eyes and make those other 7 billion irrelevant. Thanks, guys. Seven shots. Knock, knock. Ready or not, there's a psycho in the ring. A scary movie exorcist. Your host, come see what lies beneath. At the cabin in the woods, let me in for Halloween. I'll tell you tales from the hood. If you promise not to scream, I was with carrying some freaks. Driving in Christine with the lights out. That I'm shit on Friday the 13th. Took a wrong turn to swerve because I couldn't see a thing. With the Shannon and a nine and a son to trick or treat. Draw right in and I run from cover and leave the others with a grudge because I still know what they did last summer. Creep through the mist and the fog as darkness falls through the tall grass down a path I saw. So don't applaud and my mind split during the descent. So I'm cheating death. Don't hold your breath. Got revenge with the undead. Hellraiser, Candyman, Jason, and the boy from the sixth sense. Took a stand in zombie land with the queen of the damned. And broke the jaws of seven lost boys with idle hands. The invisible man broken silence of the land. Is purchased for the purse. Get out while you still can. Don't look now. Don't run. Don't breathe now. Just hush these voices. You can't trust. They're strangers. You're the guests. Here's the invitation. Your final destination's with us. From dawn till dusk, we gnaw it up. Dead awake, the slumber's over. Keep your child's playing funny games in a quiet place through midsummer till next October. Jay.
slabs, always full sand. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man, punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fist of cuffs, slide a hand on the undercard, you'll never see the punch. Up a cut, got you missing way. Feet a step and late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eighth, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move, bob and wave. Don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging. We bringing crosses with no worship, hooks with no verses, combinations with no locks. When you feel the flurry, it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats. Relax if you want the facts, cause the best combat podcast is throwing jabs. Joe McGuire, I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group, and here at CMG we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men, and great true crime shows like Sticky Beak, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, the Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com. 